Section 17 of the American Book of the Dog. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read for you by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. The American Book of the Dog, G. O. Shields, Editor, Section 17, The Clumber Spaniel, by F. H. F. Mercer of Clumber. We begin this section with two extracts in Middle English, the first from The Master of Game by Edmund de Langley, born A.D. 1378. Another manner of hounds there is that been called hounds for your hawk, and spaniels for your nature of him cometh from Spain, notwithstanding that there been many in other countries, and such hounds having many good customs and evil. Also a fair hound for your hawk should have a great head and a great body, and a fair hue, white or tawn, for these been ye fairest, and of such have there been commonly best. A good spaniel should not be too rough, but his tail should be rough. The good customs of such hounds have been these. They leaven well their masters, and follow him without losing, though they be in great press of men, and commonly he goes before his master, running and playing with her tail, and raising her startin' fowls and wild beasts. But her right craft is of ye partridge and of ye quail. It is a good thing to a man that hath a good goose-hawk, or a tiercel, or a spar-hawk for ye partridge, to have such hounds, and also, when they been taught to be careful, they been good for to take partridge and ye quail with a net. Also, they've been good when they've been taught to swim, and to be good for your river, and for fowls when they've been dived. But in that other side you have many evil conditions after the country that they've been common of. For a country draweth to two natures of men, to call of beasties and of fowls, and as men to call greyhounds in ends of Scotland, of Britain. Just so ye alimentes and ye hounds for your hawk, cometh out Spain, and they draw in after your nature of your generations of which they come in. Hounds for your hawk been fighters and great baffers, and if you lead em on hunting among running hounds, what beast that you hunt to, she shall make her come out for the fallen, as when they gone aright, and leading your hounds about and making em overshoot and fail. Also, if you lead greyhounds with two other hounds for your hawk, that is to say a spaniel, if he see geese, kine, or horse, oxen, or other beasties, he will run anon and begin to baff at em, and because of him your greyhounds shall run there too, for to take your beast through his eggen, for he will make all your riot and all your harm. The hounds for your hawk have so many other evil touches, that but if I had a goose-hawk, or a falcon, or hawks for your river, or a spar-hawk for your net, I would never have none, namely there, as I should hunt. End quote. And here comes an extract from Dogs by Dr. Johannes Caius, written during the reign of Queen Elizabeth I in the 1500s. The Spaniel is so named from Spain whence they come. The most part of their skins are white, and if they are marked with any spots, they are commonly red. 
End quote. And now for the main article. It has ever been my belief that the dog described in the foregoing extracts from the works of these, the two oldest writers on the canine species, is identical with that variety of the genus spaniel now known as the clumber. When we consider the crudeness of all writings descriptive of men and things in those early days, it must be conceded that de Langley's description of the best hound for hawking and for the reverie fits the patrician of his family with the most remarkable exactitude. The spaniel, he writes, should have a large head and a large body, with not too curly or wavy a coat, that a coloring should be white and tawn, lemon, and that the tail should be rough. He goes on to enumerate many traits of clumber character, though this old aristocrat has, during a lapse of four centuries, arrived, doubtless, at the conclusion that to play with his tail is beneath such dignity as his, and therefore has given over the practice of so frivolous a pastime. The baffing, barking, propensity with which he charges them has certainly not been transmitted to their presumed descendants, the clumbers, as they are the most silent of dogs, and in fact are entirely mute when at work. Still, nothing can be more probable than that their patrons, the Dukes of Newcastle, finding this noisiness to be an objectionable feature, as it undoubtedly is, bred out the noxious habit by judicious matings of the more silent specimens. Dr. Caius still further strengthens their claim to great antiquity, for though the markings nowadays recognized are not red in hue, the darker shades displayed by some individuals might certainly be so denominated. As a matter of fact, the writer, when accompanied by clumbers of the exactest shades of lemon and orange, has overheard passers-by remark on their being white dogs with red ears. Then again, does any other variety of the genus answer the herein-before-quoted descriptions of the Spaniels, given by both de Langley and Caius? From the former's remarks, it would appear that this presumed clumber is not only the original land spaniel, but also the progenitor of the setter. In Daniel's Rural Sports, we learn that the immediate ancestors of the present race were given by the French nobleman, the Duc de Nualais, to the Duke of Newcastle, probably about two centuries ago. The name is derived from a seat of the Dukes of Newcastle, situated in Nottinghamshire, Clumber, where they were domiciled from the outset. To those who value things for their associations, the clumber is a fit object for appreciation, as from the outset his associations have been aristocratic. The kennels of dukes, marquises, earls, barons, baronets, knights, and the leading country gentry of Great Britain and Ireland, not to mention those of royalty, having been the cradles of the breed. Specimens are but rarely met with in America, and until of late years were scarce even in England, where they were almost entirely in the hands of noblemen and country gentlemen, who kept them on their estates for shooting purposes. These were chary of disposing of surplus stock to any but their immediate friends, who in turn maintained them for their private uses. Did any outsider, therefore, desire to obtain a specimen, he could procure it clandestinely from the gamekeeper only, who would report a puppy as having been destroyed, whereas he had sold it and pocketed the proceeds of his dishonesty. It is therefore not difficult of comprehension that under conditions such as these, but few were disseminated among the general public. 
but all this is changed now and the purebred clumbers are easily to be got in england though high-class animals are few and far between in that country as elsewhere that they were prized by the highest class of sportsmen is borne witness to by colonel hamilton in his recollections which are of shooting incidents in the early days of the century he writes quote, a spaniel known as a clumber breed his grace always shooting over them in his woods is much sought after by sportsmen then he enumerates their many excellences this extract from the dog the work of the late lamented idstone will be of interest quote, the best pictures of the dog extant perhaps are those of the clumbers for from bewick to abraham copper we had few if any painters except moreland who could make anything better than a map of the dog and moreland's dogs are generally clumbers and first-rate specimens i have no doubt that some good english spaniels existed in his day for i have seen a good picture by this artist of snipe shooting in the snow where english or colored spaniels are employed but evidently the clumber was a dog of his time as it will be of all time somewhere about eighteen sixty eight sixty nine a fine picture by f wheatley a r a of the duke of newcastle was exhibited in the portrait gallery in london and was attributed by several persons to moreland who seldom if ever finished so highly as a former painter the duke is represented on his bay shooting pony surrounded by a group of clumbers which a writer in a sporting magazine of eighteen o seven when an engraving of the picture or a part of it only appeared in that serial called springers or cockflushers william mansell at that time had had the care of them for thirty years and made it his study to produce this race of dogs unmixed and they were at that time known as the duke or mansell's breed it is no easy matter to breed clumbers successfully they will allow of no cross but they often improve ordinary field spaniels and it is difficult to produce thick short-legged ones without an infusion of the blood it will be evident from my foregoing remarks that all the clumbers in the kingdom sprung from one family and one place and therefore there can be no change of blood and although an interchange of puppies from the few kennels scattered up and down the country does good it cannot refresh the constitution like a new strain from this lack of infusions of new blood the clumber has been constitutionally weakened but only during puppyhood to the ills of which he is peculiarly susceptible on the attainment of full growth however no more hardy dog exists and no further trouble on this score need be apprehended non-converts to the belief that this breed is the original land spaniel and as pure a one as any can be advance a number of theories as to how it was evolved of these the most credible is that it is derived from a union of the french basset hound and the nondescript spaniel of the time yet another faction hold out that it originated in a cross between the turnspit a very long short-legged dog so named from his being used to turn the spit on which the meat roasted the breed if indeed there ever was a breed is now extinct and the land spaniel but it seems so highly improbable that a sportsman should invoke the aid of the kitchen in breeding a sporting dog that outside of every other consideration i consider the contention untenable after much research and inquiry the writer has arrived at the conclusion that the first specimens brought to america were imported by lieutenant afterwards major venables 
of her majesty's ninety seventh regiment then in garrison at halifax nova scotia canada in eighteen forty two he obtained his dogs from the kennels of marwood yateman esq the stockhouse dorset whose ownership of excellent clumbers is especially mentioned by idstone in his book the writer has three of the direct descendants of these dogs in his kennels and mr george piers also is the owner of two bitches of the same breeding but his old dog smash the second was accidentally poisoned last year the initial importation into nova scotia was supplemented by many others the breed having at once risen to the pinnacle of high favor and halifax now undoubtedly numbers more clumbers in its canine population than any other city on the continent later some exceedingly well-bred clumbers were imported by a gentleman in ohio whose name i for the moment do not recollect several were bought by parties in baltimore maryland and mr jonathan thorne jr of pennsylvania for some years had things all his own way on the show bench with his imported dogs especially trimbush whose portrait is given in pope's series of colored lithographs of dogs within the past seven years a powerful colony has been founded in ottawa canada the best clumbers ever seen in america have been bred there as a matter of fact states-bred specimens have always had to succumb to the canucks champion johnny drake champion newcastle tyne john halifax etc all being canadian-born and bred the year eighteen eighty nine will ever be a red-letter one with the american clumber lovers for in it the importation of leading english prize winners was inaugurated in eighteen eighty seven the writer secured the celebrated champion psycho and his kennel companions snow clover sherry cynic and two others to come to this country but the negotiation unfortunately fell through since then no notorieties have crossed the atlantic until mr cameron bate of ottawa pluckily purchased the english champion boss three damper lotus winner of an immense number of prizes on the other side this dog while deficient in several attributes notably in head and coat is wonderfully low on the leg and altogether a decided gain to the clumber interests of america shortly after the same gentleman on the recommendation of the writer purchased the bitch bromine tower leda a winner of three first prizes in england and who defeated several leading winners there besides being highly eulogized by the kennel press the writer has now on the seas the beautiful all-white bitch snow champion john ogaunt foxley beauty a winner of many first prizes including the kennel club jubilee show at barn elms and birmingham twice that both from her form and splendid breeding he expects will prove an invaluable addition to his kennel ottawa however is not singular in enterprise of this description for mr a l weston of denver colorado having laid the foundation of a good kennel of the breed by purchases in this country has bought from the duke of westminster at a very long price his grace's first prize-winning bitch at birmingham but the show bench much as he adorns it by his presence is not the clumber's sphere to appreciate them at the full one must see them silently questing for their game i am of the firm belief that there is no prettier sight than a team of good clumbers stealing ghost-like through forest or covert not a sound is to be heard save now and then the breaking of the omnipresent dry twig 
Mark to the right. Drake is feathering. Nell, too, has caught the scent. Johnny, who has been questing to the extreme left, now comes up to them, and by his manner at once betrays the proximity of the game. The bodies now are sunk until they seem to sweep the ground. They look to have no legs. Their heads point towards some matted, fallen hemlocks, and with every now and then a backward glance, for fear of advancing too quickly for the gun, they swiftly steal along. Now they are within a yard of the grouse's lair, and their aspects change. With a bound and a frantic waving of sterns, they are in. Whirr! A fine old cock is flushed at once. Bang! One down. Whirr! Whirr! Two more up, and only one barrel charged. A hen this time presents the easier shot, and to the report drops, but only wing-tipped. No more birds being there to flush, the dogs are on the alert to retrieve whatever may fall. If two birds or more are down, both Johnny and Drake retrieve, the others not being allowed to interfere, though if given an opportunity they will retrieve with alacrity. In this instance, Drake brings in the dead cock while Johnny pursues the runner. Flying and running together, a wing-tipped grouse can encompass space with marvelous celerity, and the object of Johnny's pursuit is not an exception to the general rule. The bird doubles and twists in its effort to escape, thereby causing the heavy dog to lose ground, but its wiles are of no avail, and soon it grasps it by the wing, the prisoner administering heavy punishment about his head with the free one, and brings it to bag. From this, a conception of the clumber's manner of land work may be had, and surely every sportsman will admit that such silence and stealth in the pursuit of game is a desideratum. It is killing, certainly, and in an eminently sportsmanlike way. Their scent is simply marvelous, and is scarcely subordinate in excellent to that of the pointer and setter. Indeed, one gentleman in particular takes me to task for, in a former article, placing them on a par at all so high is his opinion of the clumber's keenness of scent they are all-round dogs good alike in water and on land to quote a sixty-year-old sportsman friend writing in our leading sportsman's paper some two years since quote, for snipe woodcock and partridge roughed grouse shooting and for retrieving ducks i consider them unequalled by any breed of dogs and i believe that they would also be excellent dogs to shoot quail over they hunt so close to the gun that their flushing the birds without pointing would not be of any consequence and in finding scattered birds after the bevies have been flushed and marked down i believe they would not be excelled by the very best pointers and setters End quote in all of which i fully coincide keen-scented obedient and withal passionately fond of his work he is the beau ideal of the sportsman's companion among his many good qualities is one that should especially recommend him to the average sportsman who has but little time to spend afield much less in breaking a dog he is a natural worker and needs but little training while on game he is entirely mute which is, of course, a great recommendation, as nothing disturbs game more than the yapping of a noisy dog. It is quite the fashion among sportsmen to decry the clumber's working capabilities, to say, they're too big or too clumsy, and frequently to conclude by informing you gravely that they're no good anyway. But happily their dictum with the cognoscenti does not carry much weight. No one that would speak in such a strain could have seen a good clumber at work. The writer has tried them very high and has never known them to fail. 
he has worked one champion johnny a seventy-pound dog for seventeen consecutive days without visibly affecting him also a team on roughed grouse for sixteen days they were weary at the end and footsore but by no means tired out and probably the insufficiency of strengthening food was most to blame i could fill pages with citations of instances in which clumbers have not tired out but cannot recollect a single instance of their having done so basil an eminent english authority on shooting wrote in a london publication two years ago an article on clumber spaniels with particular reference to their superiority over pointers and setters at all work save that of grouse shooting on the moors the following is an extract Quote, for any man who does not shoot on moors and who wants a general dog i say take a clumber there is no sort of low country he cannot do i may go even further and say that he will do grouse ground too and i believe he would well especially in those districts such as yorkshire and derbyshire where birds are wild and where the ordinary sportsman has to go gruffing as it is called to get game i e stealing up the gruffs or gullies and undulations in the ground and trying all the clumps of long old twisted heather and broken bogs of course my lord nabob who can command an army of men can drive his grouse I talk of the men who enjoy more sport than he, i.e., the man who, as I say, wants a general dog. A good retrieving clumber taught, as they mostly are, to drop to hand, fur, wing, and shot, and to keep at heel when desired, is the most useful dog you can have. On partridge and low ground shooting he is any dog's equal, I say his master, and by walking across the open places on the moor and thus driving the birds forward to deep lying bogs and gruffs similar tactics to partridge shooting you will find him a very satisfactory animal to fill the bag and in scotch cover for woodcock blackcock and pheasant shooting in the long old ling ferns and juniper which is the undergrowth in highland woods he is fully in his element being perfectly mute, sagacious, and killing. For any man who wants a general dog and a general gun, I should say take a good cylinder twelve-bore and a handsome, well-bred and well-broken retrieving clumber, and you will not regret it. In my country the Lord Nabobs keep their pointers and setters for the moors and clumbers for partridge shooting. Experience has taught them that that is the right course, and that is the course pursued when they kill from 1,000 to 3,000 brace of birds in a season. The advantage which the clumber has over the pointer for partridges is he goes much quieter, and when he flushes is within range. Again, birds when they scatter in turnips often run very much. With a pointer roading and roading them, they frequently run all over the field, especially in windy weather, and thus steal away out of shot or at long distances. A spaniel, when he comes across game, does not give it leisure to play these tricks. He pounces on it, and it must rise at once. Pheasants, also in turnips, often tease a pointer or set her terribly, when a good spaniel would have them up directly. I have explained that his range is close, therefore he rises them within shot, and a clumber can always be kept to his range. Idstone, in his heretofore mentioned work on the dog, remarks as follows regarding the clumber, 
Quote, Owing to his strong frame and sober disposition, the clumber lasts longer than most dogs. He also gains wisdom by experience and attains value with age. Thus, at seven, when your setter is slow, your clumber is an adept, and you are the envy of all your acquaintances, who, provided they are really fond of sport, will feel as much pleasure in the work of your dog as in the variety and abundance of sport you offer them. End quote. During the spring of 1888, I had occasion to search a tract of several square miles of land, most of it densely covered with timber, in search of a clumber belonging to me that had escaped from the train at a neighboring station, and, terror-stricken at the strangeness of the surroundings, had taken to the brush. On the first day's search, I took with me a pointer and setter, and was much struck with the apparent scarcity of game. The second day I was accompanied by my clumber, and in the same woods he flushed an abundance of game. He nosed out what the gallopers had passed by. For duck retrieving from the water they are superb, being swift and powerful swimmers, and always intent on coming up with the game. They will dive after a bird like a Chesapeake Bay dog. This accomplishment, it will be observed, is mentioned by De Langley, and catch it under water. The color is objectionable for this work, but a light cotton cloth, dead grass in color, thrown over him, will prevent his being seen. No bird can escape them by hiding in reeds or rushes. Yet the transcendent merits of this grand dog are unknown to the vast majority of sportsmen, and those who know of him through hearsay and stonehenge are strongly prejudiced against him. That writer, by his utterly unjust statements that they quickly tire and are but the rich man's dog, has done great injury to the breed, for Stonehenge's books are far more widely circulated than any other publications treating of the dog. I am often asked, if Columbers are such wonderful dogs, why are they so unpopular? My answer is that they are the victims of ignorance and prejudice. It may be pertinent to remark that I know of no one who has taken up clumbers who is not more than pleased and satisfied with them. Nay, in nearly every instance, they are enthusiastic in their praise. Clumbers, as bred in America, are much higher on the leg than the general run of English dogs, consequent upon their having been bred until the last few years, for shooting only and without reference to bench show points of excellence. A working spaniel must have a certain amount of leg, but then again leg can be overdone, just as lowness can be, and many of our clumbers are far too abundantly supplied with understandings. But while I dislike extreme legginess greatly, I also abhor the exaggerated long and low type, whose bellies nearly sweep the ground. It is purely a fancy fad that construes short in a standard to mean shortest and low lowest why we should rush to extremes instead of following a midway course for the life of me i cannot see in breeding clumbers this tendency to extreme legginess is to be guarded against another general fault is the unclumber-like ear and few specimens have really well-shaped and well-hung ones the ear is so distinctive a mark of the breed that this is to be deplored Expression of the true kind, too, is seldom seen, and heads are far too apt to be misshapen. In England, I learn, the breed is fast deteriorating from its old-time excellence, but I hope that the proverbial American push and intelligence will in time succeed in resuscitating the clumber spaniel. 
Probably the best clumber ever seen was Mr. Bullock's old nabob, sometime since dead. I have repeatedly endeavored to secure a portrait of him, but without success. Indeed, a prominent English spaniel owner writes to me, I do not think there is a photograph of nabob in existence. I knew the dog and the gentleman who owned him during nearly the whole of his showtime. Mr. Bullock was awfully jealous of his dogs and hardly liked people looking at them when at exhibitions. The best of late years was Champion Psycho, who is 16 years old. Champion John O. Gaunt, too, was a good clumber. At present, there is no dog that stands prominently out from his fellows. Among the best are Holmes Tower, Mr. Farrow's Faust, Ralph, Fireboss, and Hot Pot. In America, the best native-bred dogs have been Champion Johnny, Champion Newcastle, Drake, and Tyne, all sired by one dog, Mr. Palmer's imported Ben, a dog of direct clumberhouse descent. The leading clumber owners and exhibitors are Messrs. Wilmerding and Kitchell of New York, Mr. Hill of Ottawa, who is associated with the writer, Mr. H. W. Windrum of Boston, and Messrs. Bate and Geddes of Ottawa. An important newcomer is Mr. A. L. Weston of Denver, Colorado. The few clumbers in this country are owned for the most part by sportsmen scattered far and wide over the continent who do not care to go to the trouble and expense the exhibiting of dogs entails. As to preparation for the show bench, little can be said, for the lesson can only be learned in the school of experience, and even when learned, mayhap it will not apply. Some dogs cannot be properly conditioned. Plenty of brushing and judicious feeding and exercising are the only means by which the desired end may be attained. Every sportsman takes pride in the ownership of a handsome dog and the gift of beauty a clumber possesses in a high degree. They are withal eminently aristocratic in appearance. Handsome is as handsome does is a time-honored adage, but when we can combine beauty and utility in one body, surely it is as well to have it so. Idstone goes so far as to characterize the clumber as decidedly the handsomest dog ever bred for the sportsman. Dog stories of late years have been so much overdone that I will not weary the reader with oft-told tales of the miraculous performance of my pets, but this omission must not be construed as being due to a paucity of instances of clumber sagacity for me to elaborate upon. There is no more intelligent dog in existence than he whom I champion, the noble clumber. To their masters they are the most faithful of friends, and no stranger need expect this aristocrat to take the least notice of his caresses, if indeed he tolerates them at all. They are splendid watchdogs, and no intruder can come about their master's residence without notice being given of his presence. My clumbers prevented one burglar that I know of from burgling. He was seen, and a gentleman writes to me of his clumber that, Quote, he is the most vigilant watchdog I have ever known, and I have owned many. He does not bite, but will bark persistently. On two occasions he prevented the entrance of burglars, many of the houses in the neighborhood being entered. But he never barks unless there is a noise around the house. End quote. This describes their methods very well, though my experience has been that they will bite at a pinch and an ugly wound they can give. I should certainly not care to have a stranger happen in my kennels at night. There would be a badly used-up man to comfort, I fancy. Of ancient and high lineage, useful, strong, enduring, 
faithful watchful and beautiful surely the clumber spaniel is deserving of popularity it is therefore most gratifying to those of us who know and love this noble dog to observe that he is becoming more and more popular in america every year that he is being sought after to-day by sportsmen who a few years ago either knew or cared nothing for him that good specimens of the breed now sell readily at prices that a few years ago would have been thought by every american exorbitant it is gratifying to know that notwithstanding the wide distribution of clumber owners already noted each year's entry of this breed at our bench shows shows an increase over the preceding year all these facts indicate that the clumber is a coming dog and it is safe to predict that in time he will become almost as numerous and as generally popular in this country as is the setter today a representative pedigree and one tracing back to the best strains in great britain is that of the fine young dog johnny the second bred by the writer whose pedigree is shown on these pages he is brother in blood to quester of whom an illustration is given on page three hundred and ten subjoined is the standard for judging clumber spaniels as drawn up by me and adopted by the american spaniel club general appearance and size value ten head value fifteen eyes five ears ten neck and shoulders fifteen body and quarters twenty legs and feet ten coat and feather ten color and markings five total one hundred points general appearance and size general appearance a long low heavy-looking dog of a very thoughtful expression betokening great intelligence should have the appearance of great power sedate in all movements but not clumsy weight of dogs averages between fifty-five and sixty-five pounds bitches from thirty-five to fifty pounds head head large and massive in all its dimensions round above eyes flat on the top with the furrow running from between the eyes up the centre a marked stop and large occipital protuberance jaw long broad and deep lips of the upper jaw overhung muzzle not square but at the same time powerful looking nostrils large open and flesh-coloured sometimes cherry-coloured eyes eyes large soft and deep-set and showing haw hazel in colour not too pale with dignified and intelligent expression ears ears long and broad at the top turned over on the front edge vine-shaped close to the head set on low and feathered only on the front edge and there but slightly hair short and silky without slightest approach to wave or curl neck and shoulders neck long thick and powerful free from dewlap with a large ruff shoulders immensely strong and muscular giving a heavy appearance in front body and quarters body very long and low well ribbed and long in the coupling chest of great depth and volume loin powerful and not too much arched back long broad and straight free from droop or bow length an important characteristic the nearer the dog is in length to being two and a half times his height at shoulders the better quarters shapely and very muscular neither drooping nor stilty legs and feet four legs short straight and immensely heavy in bone well in at elbow hind legs heavy in bone but not so heavy as fore legs 
no feather below hocks but thick hair on back of leg just above the foot feet large compact and plentifully filled with hair between toes coat and feather coat silky and straight not too long extremely dense feather long and abundant color and markings color lemon and white and orange and white fewer markings on the body the better perfection of markings solid lemon or orange ears evenly marked head and eyes muzzle and legs tipped stern set on level and carried low this ends section seventeen the clumber spaniel